Well, I want to start out by telling you guys a little bit, because men don't do that sort of thing. They don't tell you anything about themselves, and they don't tell you any details about anything. So I'll tell you a little bit about the church and where we're from, and then we'll get into what we need to do this morning. Do you men agree? They're all, the men are all just sitting there like this, you know? <laughs> so, but um, are men very detailed people usually? No, no. So um, Keith and I have been married. Friday was 25 years. Yay! What a blessing. Greatest thing I think that happened to me was Keith coming into my life. I don't know where we'd be without each other at this point, you know, because like I said, he's so slow and I'm so fast, and so we kind of mesh together here. <laughs> he doesn't like to do a lot of, you know, business stuff, you know, and I just eat it up. He likes to preach, and I'd rather be sitting in the back of the auditorium, you know. So it, you kind of mesh the two of us together. But we we started dating when we were in seventh grade. Well, not really dating. Mom and Daddy wouldn't let us date, but... He, he came up with this idea of he was doing this FFA project and um, Future Farmers of America project, you know, and, and he needed a woman's opinion about whether it was correct or not. So uh, he came over to the house to see if it looked good enough, you know. So that's how we started. But we've been together since the seventh grade, and uh, there's nothing greater than a wonderful marriage, and there's nothing worse than a bad one. So, uh, But we found out the hard way, you know, um, that... Uh, Two people can't run a marriage. It only can take one. And, um, you know, the husband is the head of the house. And so we learned a lot of stuff the hard way that maybe over the next few months and years we'll be able to teach you guys and help some of you in if you're having problems in those areas. We don't... Uh, hurting in a marriage is like hurting with a toothache 24 hours a day. You know, it's not a fun thing. So uh, we believe with you guys for great and wonderful marriages and homes like ours and that you can all stay together married 50 years, you know, instead of 25. So Amen. we... We um, got married in 77, and um, we took off, we know, knew nothing about the Word. Keith got saved when he was 12 years old, and um, I got saved when I was like a year after Keith and I were married. So uh, I'd say 18 I got saved, and um, we started out serving the Lord. I went to work for a, a chiropractor, and um, he was like in the late 70s, no one had teaching tapes. Do you recall that era? Does anybody get started in the Word in the 70s? You know, no one, teaching tapes were unheard of at that time. You know, no one had teaching tapes. And uh, this doctor that I worked for, he uh, had a tape library. And it was like almost as big as that wall. I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but it was huge. He had Charles Capps and Brother Hagen and Brother Savell and, and Kenneth Copeland and... and um, he didn't have Jesse because I don't think Jesse was very well known at that time himself, you know. But a lot of the, the well-known ministers from around the world, he had all of his tapes. And he bugged me because, you know, when you're not in the Word, you don't want to hear the Word. The more you get in the Word, the more you want to hear the Word. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? So if you hunger and thirst, you'll be filled. But if you don't hunger, you, you won't be filled. So anyway, he started bugging us on a continual basis to... Uh, take these tapes home with us, you know. And Keith had been raised oneness Pentecostal, and I had been raised Catholic. And that's not really a good mesh, in case you wonder. Um, but uh, God knew what he was doing, I guess, because he put us together. And uh, so I took these tapes home, and the first ones that I took home was Brother Copeland. I mean, he had everybody in there, but the first ones that I just happened to pick finally after him bugging me for day after day after day, because you know if you know the Word and you know it's really going to help somebody, you really, really want to just crack their skull and say, hey, you don't realize what you're missing here, you know? And so um, 
we uh, got the tapes. We got those old-timey tape players before everybody had these boom boxes and all this stuff, you know. It was just a little bitty one about this big, and it, it half worked half the time, and half the time it didn't, you know, because um, we were poor. <laughs> and uh, we got married, you know, so young and everything. And But uh, we started listening to those tapes, and I tell you what, it changed our lives. Did, can any of you say, you know, what the Word has done for you guys? We'd listen to those tapes night and day, night and day, night and day, night and day. I mean, we'd stay up taking notes. We'd listen to them. And we were so hungry and didn't know how hungry we were till we started listening to those tapes. And it was like it was feeding your spirit that had been starving for so many years, you know. And you start getting into it, and it starts answering the questions that you have about why you don't have the things that you supposedly had been praying for all your life. You know, you start getting answers to why you've gone to church for 30 years and never got anything from God. Is he even really real? You know, and you start getting answers to things that you've you've cried and prayed about all your life. And um, so we started doing that. And during that time, he kept mentioning a, a, a Bible school. So we loaded up, like Keith said, was it Friday night or last Sunday, like the Beverly Hillbillies and, and went to Tulsa. And... Uh, we actually did. He had a 69 Chevy pickup truck that the gears, it was on the column, and it, every time you'd go, like this, and we were, somebody was taking us to a nice restaurant in downtown Tulsa one night, and the gears got stuck, and we had to get out in our suits and tuxes and get under there. I mean, we'd been there, and uh, have we been there? And um, so anyway, we went to Raymond. Well, he went to Raymond, and I never felt like, he kept saying, are you sure you don't want to go? Are you sure you don't want to go? And I never felt like I was supposed to go. So I even went to work in the admissions office at Raymond, worked there for years and kind of ran everything around the admissions office and the school and stuff. And, and then about 90, I think it was 91, um, I decided I was supposed to go to Raymond, which was really the best time because Keith was teaching then. So <laughs> um, we went to, I went to Raymond and I graduated and then um, we just traveled. We've traveled now for, oh, since 1981. We've traveled and we've taught in churches. We've been to big churches with 20,000 people, members. We've been to little churches with 30 people. I'll never forget the first time we went on a trip. We drove to Terre Haute, Indiana. We did our own meeting in a ballroom. And uh, we went in the ballroom. We had the meeting and everything. It went exceptionally well, but we got ready to go home and didn't have enough money for gas to get home. So we just looked at each other, you know. So these people came up to us and, and they said, you know, would you stop by our church on your way home on Sunday morning, this was Saturday afternoon, and preach for us? And we thought, we might as well, they might give us $10, it might get us a little further down the road, you know. And so um, we went to their church and I kid you not, it was a, a concrete floor and they still had sawdust all over the floor and they had wood two-by-fours where they were trying to build their church and stuff and uh, there was eight people there. Eight people, and we thought, oh, man, we've gone out of our way. We burned the gas that we we didn't have the extra to get off the interstate and come all the way down here and, and do this. And they gave us $100. And we got home. What a blessing to follow, to do what the Lord wants you to do. But the reason that I'm telling you this is because we don't, Keith and I have been doing this you know, like I say, almost 25 years, and we don't take the things of God casually. You know, we don't take things and just say, okay, yeah, let's do this. Keith has never been one. You talk about sitting down in the middle of the road. If we need him to approve anything, until he hears from God, he's not moving. And he learned that from a real great faith man. And no matter how bad you need it, until he knows that he knows that that's what we're supposed to do, we're not moving, you know. 
And so when we got ready to come to Branson, I said all that to say this. When we got ready to come to Branson, it was a shock to us. I mean, we had our nice houses and our nice cars, and, and we, we'd been doing this. I mean, the things that we have, we didn't get by accident, I'm telling you. Like I'm telling you, we, we started out to where I remember times when we were at school that we had four shriveled-up carrots and uh, a little bit of flour that we ate on, you know. I mean, we've been there. And so we learned some things by going through those things. And uh, I think that's the best way to learn some things sometimes because if you just, somebody, you know, you've always heard it, you know, the people just hand down money. Well, they never get to experience the real truths of life, you know, to where they've had to go through things and learn how to deal with things themselves. So Keith would always tell me, you know, when we were doing these things, I'd say, just don't make me get up in front of people. You know, I'll do everything that we need to do, but I that is not something that I want to do. And he'd look at me and he'd say, Phyllis, he'd say, you talk to one just the same way you talk to 500. You know, they're, they're only listening one at a time. But I never would get it. And I'll never forget the first time that I spoke. It was hilarious. You would get a real kick out of it. We were traveling with some, some friends. I guess this was like 82. And um, we were close to Washington, D.C. And at that time, Keith and I had not been but from Mississippi to Oklahoma. And... Um, we got to Oklahoma and we started traveling from there and getting on all the airlines. It was before they were so crazy like they are now. But uh, we went to um, Baltimore. And, you know, that's not real far from Washington, D.C. So the pastors asked us, did we want to go see the Capitol? And, of course, me, I piped up, you know, sure, sure. It's Saturday afternoon. Keith's got to preach Sunday morning. And he says, the pastor, he's an older, wiser gentleman. And, you know, he's probably in his late 60s. And he said, well, Phyllis, don't you think you ought to ask Keith if he wants to go? And I answered again for him. And I said, I said, oh, no, we'll just, y'all just be quiet in the front seat. We'll be quiet in the back seat. And uh, he can just get his sermon for tomorrow in the back seat of the car. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Don't ever do it, women. I'm telling you, don't do it. The pastor said, again, the older and wiser one said, he said, um, well, I guess we can just let you speak tomorrow if you want to do it that way. That'll be just fine. We'll just let you get up and speak tomorrow. Well, I thought he was, I said, great. Yeah, sure. You know, I thought he was joking. <laughs> He wasn't joking. We got there the next morning. The building is full. I have never gotten up in front of people. It remi- I reminded myself of Miss Gloria. The first time she spoke, she threw up for three days before she spoke. I don't know if you know that about her, but she did. And uh, uh, it reminded me of, of me that morning. And he said, um, we decided yesterday afternoon that we would have Keith's wife, Phyllis, to speak this morning. And I thought he was going to go on and make a joke about it, but he didn't. He just stood there and said, Phyllis, come on up here. And I kid you not, I was shaking in my boots. I was scared from head to toe. But the Lord graced me, and I said, did some things, and and, uh, we've only been growing from there. We don't ever again say Keith can do it this way. We let him choose what he wants to do. But then the second time I spoke, it was probably the late 80s, and, and this is an even funnier story than that. We went to this church, the International um Holiness Church of God in Christ. No, Institutional Holiness Church of God in Christ. I think that's correct. And um, we spoke there for years, and it was their holy convocation. And they had probably like a 1,000 women there. And this was my second time to speak besides that first time, okay? And they had services. They had prayer in the morning at 7, and then they had a 9 o'clock service, and then they had a 10.30 service, and then they had lunch, and then they had me at 1.30, well, now, what happens when you have services till midnight and one in the morning, and then you eat a big lunch, and you come in there, and you've got all these ladies falling sound to sleep and snoring on the first row? 
so I was baptized really, really well at getting up in front of people. So, I mean, uh, Keith had got baptized by doing healing school a lot where he'd have, you know, slithering people on the floor, babies crying or, or everything. So, so we learned, I think, a lot of things the hard way. But so this morning, I've taken all that time to tell you we've not just started this stuff. We've been doing it for a long time. And we're glad to have each and every person that is here with us in Branson here at Faith Life Church. So that's a little bit about Keith and I. This morning, I had it on my heart. Like I said, I'm not, I would rather, if it was just left up to me, to always just be sitting on the row and supporting Keith. But then on the flip side of the coin, um, when I worked in the admissions office all the time, um, we had people coming, I say uh, a lot, don't I? People coming in, and we had to counsel with them all the time. And it would just tear your heart out to hear the things that were going on in these people's lives. You'd think, how can anybody get so messed up, you know? And I think that is the greatest thing that I've always had on my heart when I do minister, is I don't want people hurting. And if there's anything that I know that I have learned that can help people not to hurt and to get past a hurdle that they're going through in their lives, that's what I desire. I I don't desire, it's probably, somebody will probably give me a letter and correct me or something. I don't desire to know so much about the end times. I don't desire to know so much about uh, Paul's thorn so much or, or all the things in Revelation. Because you know what? Most people that I deal with on a regular and daily basis don't have the money to pay their bills. They don't know what to do with their kids that are on drugs. You know, they don't know how to get cancer out of their body. They don't know how to uh, get rid of that headache that they've been having. And if you're wondering what happened to my arm, it's not some big mystery. I was doing tricks on my rollerblades and fell and... Had a crash, so y'all can all have a big laugh. But I did color coordinate this morning. (laughs) So it wouldn't be so noticeable for you. So if you would, what I want to do this morning is just kind of do what I have on my heart and maybe help you get through some little hurdles and show you how we've learned to get over some hurdles and how we've learned to stand for our finances or how we've learned to stand for our healings or how we've learned to help stand for people that's minds gone crazy and, and different things like that. So turn with me this morning to 1 John 5. Am I going too fast? Good. Y'all tell Keith I didn't go fast, okay? First John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, it didn't say according to your needs, according to your desires, according to anything, but what did it say? According to his will. So that's the title of my message this morning, according to his will. Read the first part of that again. And this is the what? Confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything According to his will, he hears us. And what else did it say? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So is that an important thing, to ask with confidence according to his will? Because it said, what does the next part say? That we we know that we what? Y'all going to have to talk up. See, I'm used to speaking a lot to ladies, and the ladies are never quiet. So <laughs> y'all are going to have to help me out here this morning. Okay, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. 
So how do we have to do it? Confidently and according to his will. Correct? Okay, let's look at something else on confidence just a minute. Hebrews 4.16. And I had forgotten when we decided on what songs to sing this morning that they were singing this song and and, um, Susan was talking about come boldly to the throne because that's where we're going. Boldly to the throne. Hebrews 4.16. And I'm not going to try to turn to all of them. It's kind of awkward for me. I've got them all typed out here. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find grace to help in our time of need. Again, that's kind of a little difficult to understand. So let's read it from the New American Standard. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So we see in both of these, in John 14, 1, 1 John 5.14 and in Hebrews 4.16, that we have to have confidence. Is that an important part of it? Okay, how do we have confidence? First off, the only way that you can have confidence is by knowing somebody. And that's what happens to a lot of people. In all the years that Keith was in healing school, he'd see it over and over and over again. He'd come home, he'd be so frustrated. Because what people would want to do is they'd want to come to healing school. I mean, we've had everything from people that's diagnosed to die the next day to people that have six months to live to, to ten years down the road. They've got, you know, something that's going to kill them. But what these people do or would do would be to come to healing school and they'd come in there and they'd want to get in one service and they'd want Keith to lay hands on them and instantly they wanted to be healed. Instantly. And that's what happens so much of the time. But that's the rare occasion that that happens. And God does work that way to where that there are miracles. And we see them all in the New Testament that there's miracles and that God does perform miracles. But is that the normal thing that we see? No. It's when we go to God with something, we have a need, and then he gradually meets that need and fills our hearts, desires, and, and, and those sort of things. But confidence is something that you gain from knowing someone. Like, I can't have confidence in, in, in this gentleman here. What is your name? Tom. Tom. I can't have confidence in Tom. I don't even know his name. Do you understand what I'm saying? We recently had some people come to us, and they presented us this wonderful, it's been probably a year and a half ago, this wonderful proposal about how we could make a lot of money and how we could make it fast. And a lot of our minister friends jumped on the boat. I mean, they just jumped on it with both feet and... and um, went high sailing and invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in it. And, and um, Keith and I talked about it and we prayed about it. And the more we got into it, the more we kept saying, we don't know this person. Do we know this person? No, we don't know this person. So if we don't know this person, how can we even believe what they are telling us? As far as we knew, it was just words. They were wanting to make this deal. So how can we say, okay, we're going to jump on this boat with you, and and their words were, just trust us. It's really so. It's really so. Just trust us. We're Christians. It's really so. Now, did I have confidence to do that deal based upon them telling me, trust me, it's really so? Absolutely not. No way. Well, a lot of our minister friends went ahead and jumped on the boat. And a lot of them lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the Lord told Keith, he said, you only can trust someone 
if I reveal to you a revelation and tell you to jump on this with them, or if you know them. I mean, now God can supernaturally show you something in your heart that you have absolutely no way of knowing and you have a total confidence in your heart and say Tom is doing a, a business deal and he comes to me and he says, you know, I'm doing this business. Don't everybody come to us with a business venture. We're not going to jump off on it as you can hear. But anyway, Tom <laughs> comes to me with this business venture and he says, um, you know, we've got this really good deal and you guys can invest 100000 and make a million next year. I promise you, I can show you paperwork where it's happened before. Well, now, do I have confidence to believe what Tom is telling me? He's got paperwork. He's got documentation. He's got everything. Do I have confidence to believe what he's telling me? No, absolutely not. Have you ever seen a falsified document? Have you ever seen people that talk a good talk? You don't have confidence unless you know someone. Now, if I knew Tom for 15 years and I'd seen him do this same deal over and over and over and over again, and I'd seen the people that he'd gotten 100000 from turn into millionaires in a week, would I have a little more confidence? Would that mean I should just jump on and go with Tom? Absolutely not. What you have to do is you have to follow your heart. No matter how much you have confidence in another human being, they're not the Lord. And they don't know what tomorrow brings. Where they're getting their finances from could fall in a hole tomorrow. So the only thing that you have to go by is what you have in your heart. Now, a little child, say, for instance, they're in the swimming pool. I remember we have one of our board members wasn't here last week, but he has a little girl. He has two little girls, actually, Jacqueline and Jessica. Now, Jacqueline is scared of almost everything. She's the older one. But now, I mean, Jessica is scared of almost everything. Now, Jacqueline is not scared of anything, absolutely anything. So he'd stand there in the swimming pool, in our swimming pool, and and they'd get on the deep end, and he'd tell Jessica, he'd say, jump in. Well, she'd jump in because Daddy was there, right? She had confidence that Daddy was going to catch her when she jumped in that water. Now, Jacqueline, she'd have jumped in if nobody wouldn't have been there. But uh, you have to, the reason that she could have confidence in him is because he had never let her down. He'd always been there for her. Now, Keith tells me something. I have learned Keith. We've been together, like I said, since seventh grade. If Keith tells me, Phyllis, this is what's going to happen, I have confidence in it. There's no question in my mind if he tells me this is what's going to happen. If he said, the Lord told me this, I don't question it again because I know him. He's proved himself to me. I don't have any question or shadow of a doubt that he's going to do what he tells me he's going to do. Now, you could possibly be that way together with your husband and wife. And you might be that way with your mother and daddy. And you might be that way with your brother and sister. But who you should be that way with is the Lord. The only way that you can go to the throne boldly is how. Now, I don't, like I say, I don't know some of you people in here. I can't come up to you boldly and say, you know what? Could you give me $500? And you say, yeah, I'll give it to you tomorrow. And have confidence that he's going to give it to me tomorrow. Because I don't know him. I may not ever see him again if I come up and ask him, you know what, could you loan me $500 after church today? If I said, you know what, loan me $500. And he says, okay, I'll get it to you tomorrow. Because I came and asked him, he might just skip town because I'm not bringing her $500. (laughs) Who is she to ask me for it? She should be giving me $500. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? But because I don't know him. He doesn't know me at all. And that's the reason that people don't go to the throne boldly. 
because they don't know their Father God. They don't know His character. They don't know the way that He is. They don't know how He feels about them. They don't remember the fact that He gave the most precious thing that He had for them. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What does it say next? Where? Okay, there's sickness in heaven, right? There's poverty in heaven as they walk on those streets of gold. There's depression in heaven. You know, there's kid problems in heaven. See, just if you didn't know anything else about the Bible but the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done, where? On earth. Just the same as it is in heaven. So if it was done just the same as it was in heaven, how would things be down here? They'd be perfect. They'd be wonderful. Well, why are they not that way? Because we don't have confidence that Jesus' blood shed for us, that we can come boldly to the throne, because we have let, as Keith has taught, traditions and men's words come into our hearts and into our lives, contaminate us into believing really what the Word says. If we really, that's why Keith's got us, how many of you have joined in with us reading the New Testament as Keith has asked it to? Glory to God. Do you know how far along we're going to be in a few months from now if everybody's reading the same thing? You know, in unison, you know, in the Old Testament when they started building the Tower of Babel, I mean, when they were in one accord, nothing could stop them and they were doing an evil thing, you know? So just think if we're doing a wonderful thing, what's going to happen? But if we believed as Christians... I don't believe Christians are supposed to be sick. I don't believe that they're supposed to be poor. I don't believe that they're supposed to be broke. But why do we believe these things? Tradition. But the most important thing is we don't know our Father. We don't know Him. We, we, go, we, need, we, we, we need something, okay? And the very first thing that we do is we usually... We'll lay in our bed at night and cry and pray. Is that right? You get quiet to yourself and you lay in your bed at night. Usually not even your husband or your spouse or anybody knows because it may be them that you're crying and praying about. Who knows? But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right, just kidding. Um, So you lay in the bed at night. Oh, God, I can't take it anymore. Oh, God, we need the money by tomorrow or they're going to repossess our car, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't raise your hands. Has anybody ever done it? I've done it. I've done it. Oh, God, I'm sick. I'm I'm so sick, you know. Uh, I'm so scared because, you know, I have cancer and and they say I'm going to die and cry and pray, oh, God, heal me. Heal me, God. Please heal me. I've done it, not with cancer, but with other things. Or direction. People mystify direction. It's like, I don't really know where I'm supposed to be. Maybe God's calling me here and maybe he's calling me there. Well, the reason that they do that is because they don't know him. When somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's because they don't know him. Let's read a few scriptures in regards to these things that we just talked about. First off, turn to 3 John 2. 
and see if we can get to know what he thinks a little bit on some of these areas. Now, I can't cover every area with you, but I'm going to cover a couple of them with you this morning. Third John 2. If you don't know another scripture about healing or finances, but just this one, write it down. You don't have to search your Bible night and day. Write this scripture down. If you have a piece of paper and a pen, write it down. Because 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Now, if you didn't know nothing else about God and you knew those two things, would it take care of 95% of your problems? One scripture. You don't have to know the whole Bible. All it takes is a faith is a grain of mustard seed to move a mountain. So if you just knew this one scripture, I mean, and not knew it with your head, but knew it with your heart, had a relationship with him enough to where you could go boldly to the throne because you knew he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper. So it's his will that you be broke and don't have enough money to make your car payment tomorrow. So who told you that? Grandma. Somebody said, don't blame it on Grandma. She may be here. She, and you know why Grandma told you that? Because somebody told her that. And somebody told her that. Christians are supposed to be broke. They're not supposed to have anything. Well, then somebody ought to let God know that we're supposed to be broke. Because he, I mean, if you, if you sat down and wanted to know something about me, and I had taken the time to write my autobiography, and I spelled out everything that Keith and I had ever done, and everything about my childhood, and everything about my parents, and everything about my growing up, and everything about our training in the ministry, and, and everything that we had done to this point so far... And you read that book, you would think you knew a little bit about me, correct? You would. You'd think you knew a little bit about me. If you took the time to read my autobiography, and I wrote it myself, not some fake something somebody else wrote, but that I took the time to write it all by myself, and I told you all about me, and all the problems that I had had, and all the uh, victories that I had had, and um, what I believed, and what I stood for, you would know a little bit about me. Is that correct? Well, Well, the Lord did that. He took the time to do that for us. But what's wrong is we don't know what he said. And so we go through life in this cocoon believing that we as Christians are supposed to be broke all the time. I've been there. I don't like it. I have been broke. I've been so broke that Keith and I didn't have... I remember the very first meeting that Keith and I were in, in any kind of a believer's meeting. Ken and Gloria had gone to uh, Jackson, Mississippi. I'm sorry, brother and sister Copeland, excuse me. Had gone to um, Jackson, Mississippi. And um, Keith and I had been married maybe three months. And like I said, I grew up Catholic. He grew up oneness Pentecostal. No makeup, no pants, no anything. Y'all have to find me some scriptures. I've read them. Y'all find me some. Um, I've read them a lot. (laughs) Y'all find them. Um, But anyhow, we went to this meeting, and Brother Copeland was teaching on prosperity, as he often does. And um, we had $10 to our name. We were both working. We were working hard. Keith and I have worked since the time we were in ninth grade. We went to school half a day almost and worked half a day. Um, 
my, his mother and daddy worked all their lives. My mother and daddy worked all their lives. I mean, and we were all still broke. So don't tell me hard work makes you prosper. Because I know people that have worked themselves silly and they've not prospered. I mean, they have worked themselves to the bone and they are hurting. And, and they've given and they're hurting. And they've given and they've given and they're still hurting. So, so I know that that kind of stuff is out there. We've been there. We did it ourselves. I mean, we, we've had driven cars that you, Keith was concerned I was going to get home in the rough part of Tulsa and shoot them up alley at 7 or 8 o'clock at night when I'd get off work, you know, driving by myself, that the car would break down. We've been there. So it's nothing to be ashamed of if you're there. It's just the fact that you don't want to stay there. It, it's not fun to be there. It's more fun to where if you see an outfit that you want to be able to buy it. Take my word for it. It's more fun. I don't like going in a store, and, and I don't shop. I'm not a shopper. I mean, my staff can tell you, 80% of the things that I have, including this outfit that I have on, I sent my staff out to pick it out for me, and they brought it back to me. I do not like to shop. I am not a shopper. So it's not like I'm going to go trilling around malls and stuff like that trying to find me something to wear. But I do like nice clothes. And it's nothing wrong with it. Because my father, is he your father? Said... Beloved, I wish you above all things that what? You may prosper. And be in, and it's not talking about soul prosper. And it's not talking about health prosper because it says that right after that, right? I mean, what does it say right after that? Now, y'all, y'all don't get quiet on me, you know. Do you want to get out of the hole you're in? Well, let me tell you how. I've been there. It's an easy thing to do. You learn who your father is and you learn what he believes instead of some other minister or instead of some friend or instead of somebody that's going to criticize you because you have something. I'm not ashamed of what we have because I know how we got it. It's not what you got, it's how you got it. We didn't rob it. We didn't steal it. We didn't take some old woman's Social Security check and, and, and buy us a nice car with it. We sold for it. We believed for it. God blessed us with it. And he'll do the same thing for you. Because he said... I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So he's not just talking about health prospering. And then even as what? Because we've got letters, people saying, well, that soul, your soul is prospering, Brother Keith. This is for your soul to prosper. Yes, your soul is supposed to prosper the more you know about the Lord. But it's talking about financial prosperity there. Then let's read another one. On finances. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It's like Keith's been saying on Friday night, if you haven't been here. We don't want what other people have said in this church. We want what God has said in this church. And we want the best for the people that are in this church. And we believe that we've found out some ways to get some of these things because we've been in the hole. We've dug ourselves out. We've been there. I remember, I'll never forget, the first time we went to Tulsa, the first night that we were there, we were so stinking broke, I cried for three days because we wasn't going to have the money to pay the rent to get in an apartment for Keith to go to school. And we got there, and we had filled up our cars with gas because I I knew he had to go to school, and um, I had to go to work the next day. And uh, we got up the next morning, and both of our cars were on empty, and we had spent every dime that we had. I kid you not, my mom and daddy came to town that night, didn't know where we lived, and filled both of our cars up with gas. Or we would have been hijacking, hip-chiking, I mean, our way to work that morning. So, you know, we have been there. We have been so broke that we couldn't, I mean, we were underneath the barrel. We owed for everything that we had. 
I mean, we, we weren't even even. We were underneath it and barely, 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 barely getting by. Like Keith says, with one nostril above the water, and sometimes we didn't have that nostril above the water. I mean, and we cried and we prayed and we begged and we, we fasted and we did everything we knew and we were still broke. You know why? Because we didn't know our Father. We didn't know what He had planned for us. Are you there? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be what? Poor. You might be what? Now that's a cuss word in most church circles. Ministers and people are not supposed to be rich. But who said that? Did God say it? Find me one scripture where God says you're supposed to be broke. Everybody quotes the one about it's hard for a rich man to get into he- to enter into the kingdom. Well, if you're saved, you're already in the kingdom. Amen. I mean, aren't you? If you're saved, you're already in the kingdom. So you, since you're already in, why not get rich while you're already in? Why not? Why not? I mean, if you're already in the kingdom, it's hard for a person to get in, enter into the kingdom of heaven with their riches. So we're already in the kingdom. How many of you in here saved? All right, glory, hallelujah. Then you're already in. So you can get rich now. You don't have to be concerned. Right? Okay? All right. Let's read another one. 1 Timothy six seventeen. I'm cheating, I know. I'm not turning. It's difficult. But I'm healed. The only reason that I have this on my arm, I just want y'all to know, is because Keith fussed at me and he said, Phyllis, quit using it so much. You've got to give it time to heal. When you hurt yourself, it's just a natural thing that you have to give it time to heal. So I wore this little thing around it for days and days and days, and I'd tape it up for days and days and days, and I'd still use it and sign checks and write things and do stuff. And I went to the doctor. He said, if you wasn't using it so much, you might not have to do this. I thought, don't say that in front of Keith. He's been telling me that for days. <laughs> you don't want him any, give him any ground whatsoever, do you? <laughs> they can't be right. So, First um, Timothy six seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they give away all their money and become poor so that they can do what Jesus wants them to do. Does your Bible read that way? It says, charge them that are rich in this world, give away all your worldly fame and fortune, and become poor, because that's what Jesus wants for you. That's his perfect plan for your life. No, it says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they what? Be not high-minded, or trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who what? Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. It didn't say that we couldn't be rich. It told us not to be high-minded. And if you've ever been around me, it doesn't matter what I have or who I'm around. I am the same around important people as I am around first graders. I am just the same night and day, night and day. Ask these guys over here. I'm just the same on Thursday nights as I am on Sunday mornings practicing. I am just the same 
all the time. No airs about me. I'm real. You know, I don't like phony. I don't like people that, that have things and try to act higher class than other people because a lot of times when you find somebody that's... I've been around them. I've been around billionaires. And you find people that are really, really rich. They're the ones with the most casual clothes on, with the jeans and tennis shoes on. They're not trying to impress anybody because they already got it. What have they got to impress somebody about? They already got it. It's the people that are trying to get rich that get high-minded. It's the ones that are trying to prove to their brother or sister that they've got more than they've got, so they're better than they are. (laughs) It's like Keith says, it's not a sin to be poor, it's just mighty inconvenient. And it is. But God didn't encourage us in this scripture. He says, charge them that are rich in this world. Now, did he say to give away all your possessions? Yes, it talked about the, the, the rich young man. And it talked about all of his riches. And the Lord told him to give it away. Did he tell him to give it away that he wouldn't ever get it again? No. Is that what he told him? No. He knew that the next part of this scripture is what his problem was. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Now, do you understand what that means? It means if you trust in money, have you ever seen Black Monday? You got all your trust in money and none of your trust in God. You don't know who your source is. You don't know who meets your needs. You've never had to uh, cook a meal on carrots and flour. You've always had plenty. You've always had steak and caviar. I've been around the people. Champagne, caviar, everything you can think of. Big yachts, big homes. In debt up to their ears. Proving to you how rich they are. But all of their trust, they don't even know the Lord. So what will happen to them if there's a Black Monday and they have all of their money in the stock market? What will happen to them? Who are they going to trust in then? Who are they going to trust in when when their yacht's repossessed? When they don't have enough money to take Fifi to the dog groomer, get her toenails painted. I've seen it, y'all. I have seen it. I have seen it all. I mean, we have seen we have seen some of the richest people in the world, and they have total trust in their riches. They have total confidence in their riches. That it will bail them out of any situation that they get into. Their child gets in trouble. You've seen it. What happens? They trust in their riches. Are they helping their child out? No, they're not. It says not to be high-minded. It didn't say to give your riches away. It says don't be high-minded. What happens is Keith and I... We've got up there, we've got, we think, yeah, we're doing good, glory to God. We've got some money in the bank. We've got a good savings account. And the Lord says, you know those people over there? They are totally broke. You know, and they've been believing me, and I've been dealing with these other people to give it to them, but they just are not, they're just not jumping on it, you know? And I wanted to bless them because I knew what was coming up. Remember our scripture from earlier? I knew what was coming up in the future, and I wanted to use them because they were going to be believing me for a house next year. And I wanted them to help sow that down payment on that house. You know what? They're not believing me, and they need that money tomorrow. You guys wire it to them. Get it to them this morning. Clean, totally, completely, zero, zilch out your checking account. It has happened more times than I can count on my hands and toes. 
Uh, Keith will come in. We'll buy a new suit. My mother and daddy used to get aggravated at him. His mother and daddy used to get aggravated at him. We've done it so much they've learned us. They give us a new watch. The next time they see it, it's on somebody else. (laughs) They give us a new suit. We go buy Keith a new suit. I kid you not, he has come in from school, from work, with no shoes, no coat, and a pair of shorts and a (laughs) T-shirt. I remember one time we were believing God for Keith some clothes. I mean, because he was up in front of people all the time. I mean, and he had two suits, two good suits. I mean, and he was on TV, and he was up in front of people, and we were broke. Y'all ever been broke? Sickening. It is, you know, and we were broke. And the Lord told us, take your credit card and uh, go and call this store and give them your credit card number and call this minister because he's about to go interview for a church. And he don't even have a suit to wear. And tell, call that store and tell them to uh, buy him, get him a suit, get him a shirt, get him a tie, get him a pocket square, get him a pair of socks, get him an underwear, get him a T-shirt, get him whatever he needs, shoes. And we didn't have a clue why. And the Lord dealt with us to do it. So we took our credit card, we called the store, we gave him our credit card number, and we did that. Two weeks later, this young man comes to us crying, and he says, you don't know. But we didn't have the money, and we didn't have the credit card room. We had done everything we could do on our credit card. And I had to go interview for this church that he did get, and I didn't even have a suit to wear. Now, why do you have money? So you can be high-minded? You see, that's why people, a lot of people don't have money. It's because their number one objective is to show their friends how much they got. You'll never have it so long as that's your ultimate goal in having money. You'll never have it. The only way you'll ever have it is if the Lord deals with you, Phyllis, call Dave and tell him you've got to make his car payment this month. And you do it. That's the reason you have money. Because just like what that scripture we said in the offering says, you don't know what evil comes tomorrow. You don't know, say your bosses, all your checks begin to bounce next month because he got into a bind because he's not saved. The world can mess up your finances. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but if you work for an ungodly person, you don't know what they're going to do with their finances and how the finances of that business are going to be. But as long as you work there, they'll prosper. I've got living proof of it myself. I worked for a doctor. He was making $30,000 a month when I went to work for him. I'll never forget it. He put me on a bonus system. He said, depending on what I make, for every thousand I make, you get a hundred. Boy, that was a wrong thing to say. <laughs> when I left there, he was making $250,000 a month. I was getting all the bonuses and he couldn't afford to pay me anymore because he'd gotten in so much debt. I saw him recently. He apologized for it. He prospered because I believed God for the extra money to come in so that I would have the money instead of eating carrots and flour. So he will prosper any business that you're associated with just to get to you. He'll go through ten people if you'll believe him just to get to you. But why will he do that? So that you can heap up everything upon yourselves and become high-minded? No, because Rick may, uh, his, his business may close. Circumstances beyond him. And he's a good worker. 
he, he could absolutely do nothing about it because he is an employee of theirs. And he's a good worker. So he may be short for a few weeks. So what did our scripture earlier say about sowing now so that you'll have it when the days are evil? That's why you have money, is to give. And, and like I said earlier, Keith and I are not advocates about, okay, everything that you have in your pocket, Dave, hand it over, hand it over. Just to Faith Life Church, just to More Life Ministries. We're not dumb enough to believe that we're the only thing out there that's serving the Lord. The Lord may deal with you today to send Creflo Dollar $500. Do it! You may think, well, he's already got enough. He's already got two airplanes, 20,000 members. He don't need our money. It's not him needing the money. It's you needing the blessing. Doesn't matter what he needs. It matters what you need. And, And what you need, you don't even know. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know that your kids are going to uh, have an accident and and wreck the car and you have to go buy them a new car because they don't have the money to do it. But if you've sown Dave's car payment like the Lord dealt with me this month, you've got grounds to turn around and back up and say, Lord, remember that scripture that you said sow so that when the days are evil, I'd have it. So I've sown. So guess what, Lord? I want mine now. I need it now. What does Luke 6.38 say? Turn there. A lot of you don't know. Turn there. Boy, this is totally different. If you read my notes, this is not in them anywhere. Luke 6.38. It says, give and what? What happens first? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and what? Shall men, M-E-N, that means W-O-M-E-N and M-E-N, Give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. So why do we give? Several reasons. You always should expect a return on it, but you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen on your job tomorrow. It doesn't matter. What, I mean, what we're talking about here is the high-mindedness of people that put their trust in uncertain riches. But if you sow into the kingdom of God and you send Creflo that $500, no matter if he, he's got $50 million, you know, or no matter if he does drive a Rolls Royce or if he, whatever he has, and God says, okay, send him $500. What should you do? Some of you are quiet. Some of you want to stay poor. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a mentality. And, and if you don't watch it, just even me saying that, some of you kind of shut down on me just a little bit. Well, he don't need it. I'd rather give it to the mission field. I'd rather give it to the missionaries. Well, you know the most important thing in giving? Being led. The most important thing, write that down, in giving is being led. You don't know what Creflo's believing for. He may really, 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 and I don't know why I used his name. There's no reason. 
But you don't know what he's believing for, but he may really, really be believing for it. And God's going to use somebody because men is going to give it back to him. So he's going to use somebody to give that back to him. And if he tells me, Phyllis, send him $5,000, guess what I'm going to do? Because I don't know, but that next two weeks, I've got a parking lot to pay for. I've sown for parking lots. I've sown for churches. I've sown for buildings so that when the money comes up for this, guess what? It's there. There's no lack because I've sown for it. Now, people will tell you, now, Phyllis, you know, can I counsel with you? Um, we, we really are broke. I mean, we can't do this. We are, I mean, we are really, really broke. Do you know what I mean, really broke? Yeah, I've been there. We can't give them $5. You can't not give them $5. That's right. Because God said he would do what? Give seed to the sower. So don't kid yourself if somebody walks up to you today, which I would encourage you to do because I know the Lord is dealing with some of you now because he doesn't lead somebody this way and then he's not dealing with people to do certain things. If the Lord deals with you after the service, you walk up and give this lady here $50. Say she needed $50. She was believing for $50. We were at a service recently, and I'll come back to her. She wants that $50. And um, um, we were at a service in Canada recently. And I was sitting there, like Keith says, and minding my own business. And we were singing, and the service was going on, and everything was going on. And Keith was just about to get up to preach. And I said, I said, sweetheart, I've got to do something. And so he said, come on, come on, come on. And so, because I don't usually say that unless I do have to do something. I'm, I'm not one of these wives that grabs the microphone out of my husband's hand all the time. I won't do it. I think it's disrespectful. I think if God is in order of the service, he will, you know. And uh, you start working with each other. You begin to know each other and stuff. So anyway, we were in Canada. And... Uh, it just came all over me that there was a woman there that had a bill, I forget the exact numbers now, $246.13 in her purse. And they were coming to repossess her car the next day or something, and I can't remember what it was. And uh, that's what the Lord told me uh, to tell them. And that there was a woman there in that condition that I wanted every head bowed and every eye closed. And uh, so they did. Everybody was very respectful except for one or two. You always have one or two that's not respectful of the Lord, but you have to deal with them. The Lord will deal with them. So when the Lord says, you know, bow your heads and close your eyes, guess what? Bow your heads and close your eyes because he don't want to embarrass anybody. If it was you, you wouldn't want to be embarrassed. And so I said, there's a lady here and you have a bill that you you can't even get involved in the service because all you can think about is this bill that you have in your purse. And I didn't even say that because I didn't know that. This bill that you have that's due tomorrow for $246.13. I told the exact number of what it was. I don't remember what it is now, but the exact number of what it was. And I said, you can't get involved in the service because that's all you can think about. Now, does God care about that? Does he? Why did he have me to do that? Why would he tell me $246.13? Do you think I just concocted that up in my mind? Why did God tell me that? Because he wants us broke. And he wants us suffering. And he wants us not to meet our our bills and and be a good witness to the community because we're always broke because we're Christians. Right? I mean, that's a wonderful witness of our our heavenly Father with streets of gold and and gates of pearls and rubies and jasper and and He's got it all and we can't have none. That's a good Father, isn't it? Now, that's the way that people represent Him down here, though. That He wants us that way and He can have it all and we can't have anything. 
Now, my daddy loves me dearly, and there ain't nothing that he has that I couldn't go over to his house right now and get. Nothing. There ain't a thing that he has that I couldn't walk in that door and say, I want this, and they wouldn't give it to me. They'd give me the shirt off their back. And I know if my natural father would do that for me, how much more my heavenly father would do it. How much more? So why did he tell me that there was a lady there that had a bill of $246.13? Because it was distracting her from worshiping him. And he doesn't like anything that distracts people from worshiping him. He likes nothing that distracts people from worshiping him. So if you're sick in your body and you can't worship him, he don't like it. If you're broke and you can't worship him, he doesn't like him. That's why he made us to worship him. He said, if we don't worship him, the trees will cry out. So I I called that out, and I had everybody to bow their head and close their eyes, and they all did. And there was a lady sitting right over here on the third row, and um, she sheepishly raised her hand, you know. It's embarrassing to be broke. It's embarrassing not to have $10. Embarrassing. We've all been there. If you say you hadn't, you know, you hadn't been very far, or you've had a rich parent that's given it to you, which is not a sin. It's just, you know... It's hard to learn not to trust in high, you know, in riches at that point. Um, but anyway, she, she sheepishly raised her hand. I said, okay, put it down. Because I saw who she was. And that was my whole point, was just to see who she was. We didn't tell a soul, except for the associate pastor. We told the pastor and his son was the associate. She came up after the service. We went and sent him to her. He pulled her in a back room where nobody would know who she was. She had the bill in her pocket and said, final notice, repossession tomorrow. And how much was the bill? $246.13. Now, why did God do that? Now, so what we did was, we said, okay. I said, I'm supposed to give part of it. And I gave $100 towards it immediately. And I said, but I'm not the only one that's supposed to be a part of this. God wants some of you others to sow because you're in the same shape she's in. And he's just wanting to show you that he does not want you in that shape. I kid you not, we had a deluge of people to the front of the auditorium giving money. I mean, the bill was only $246. Five people could have done it, or one person could have done it. I could have done it if that would have been what the Lord would have directed, but he didn't. He wanted everybody to get in on it. And so we had money, we had money, and we said, whoa, 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 stop. Stop, y'all don't give anymore. That's enough. She'll have enough. This is enough to meet the need. And the people got mad at us. They said, we have bills too. We want in on this. Well, do you think if she had a bill that was uh, something being repossessed for $246.13, she couldn't use the extra? And the Lord knew that. He was just trying to show us that he didn't want us in that shape. So the people came and they gave. We have received testimony after testimony after testimony from people that gave in that offering about things being paid off for them. Now, I didn't concoct that up. I didn't come up with that number. She had the paper to prove it. I wish now that we'd have got a copy of it, you know, so we could have a testimony of, of what happened with it. But uh, God cared enough about this lady sitting in this third row that he would stop the whole service with thousands of people there and call her out to meet her need. God did that. Now you say, now we've heard it all too. Well, you just knew it. You just knew her, and you knew that she was in that condition. This was in Canada. We'd never been to this church before. 
We'd never seen these people before. Uh, I, we've never even been to that part of Canada before. And this particular woman had never been to that church before. Do you think she went back? I think she did. I don't know. I hadn't asked, but I think she probably went back. But what my point is, is that if God will stop a service with thousands of people in it, stop the singing, stop the preaching, stop everything, it's dead still, for me to get up there and say, there's a, a, a little woman. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know if it was a woman or a man. There's somebody here. Only $246.13. We weren't talking about some astronomical amount. But does he care about your finances? Does he care if you're broke? He said he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Can you enjoy the fact that they're coming to get your car tomorrow because you hadn't made a payment on it? Now, I don't doubt that half of you in here right now are thinking about bills that you have. And we're going to pray about it here in a few minutes. But the thing that you need to do, the thing that you need to do is you need to get your Bible out. I've given you a few scriptures. I was going a totally different direction. I was not talking about finances this morning. I was going healing and and some other things. But anyway, the Lord knows what's going on in your lives. Just like he cared about the woman with the $246.13 bill, he cares about your bills. He cares about whether you have enough to meet your needs and buy your groceries. Have you ever been to the grocery store before you had credit cards and you get up in the line and you got all your groceries there and you've only got $50 and you know you got too much and you just know what's going to happen when you get up there? Have you ever been there? Oh, I've been there so many times. You just cringe. You get stomach ulcers from that kind of stuff. Uh, Because it's not God. It's not right. It's hard to believe against things like that when you're believing totally against the Word to begin with. You get in the grocery line and you've only got $40 and you're hoping and praying and believing God that you've got enough money to pay for your groceries. Keith laughed at me. The first time that we had enough money for me to go to the grocery store and spend what I wanted, I think I spent $700. (laughs) He laughed. Every bag he got out of the car and towed it in the house, he laughed. And he laughed and he laughed at the devil. And he laughed and he laughed because we'd been there for so many years. So many years. To where, you know, his, if it wouldn't have been for his mother and daddy growing a garden every year and sending us fresh peas and butter beans and okra and corn and canned tomatoes, we'd have never made it through Ramah. We'd have starved to death. Was that God's will? No. Was he holding his money back from us? No more than he is now. What was the problem? I didn't have confidence. I couldn't go boldly to the throne and say, God, I need $512.28 tomorrow. Because he says, Phyllis, I told you to give that lady over there $50 at church yesterday and you didn't do it. I don't care how she's dressed. I don't care what kind of car she drives. I don't care how many diamond rings she's got on her finger. I don't care how many mink coats she wears. If the Lord deals with your heart to give her $50, then guess what? He knows what's coming up tomorrow. And if we're going to be a New Testament church that God has ordained, we're going to do this in this church. 
we're going to see that if Rick has a need today, he don't have to tell a soul because we're spiritual enough to know that if he deals with me, give them $25. We're going to do it. And I'm not pulling on you to give Keith and I a thing. We're believing God for every penny that we have. We've sown salaries into this place. We've sown money that we've sold stuff into this place. We are selling everything we got putting it into this place. But you know what? We know the reward. Because when we see you blessed, we're going to be blessed. And we already are blessed. But my point is, we want a church that to where if somebody comes in and say Brandy over here, she's, she's sown money. Say she's sown money for clothes. Most women do. I have. She's sown money for clothes. And she's believing for everything in her being for clothes. I shouldn't be, and Keith shouldn't be, the only spiritual ones in this place that should be able to walk up to Brandy and say, Brandy, here's $100. Go buy you some clothes. Are you believing for something? Are you, anybody in here believing for anything besides me? I think everybody is. Follow your heart. It may be the person in front of you. It may be me. It may be Keith. It may be Brother Copeland. It may be Brother Hagen. It may be Jerry Savelle. It may not even be a minister. It may be your Sunday school teacher. It may be your child's Sunday school teacher. It may be whoever. But the Lord deals with you. Go, knock on their door and hand them $50. What should you do? Knock on their door and hand them $50 because you don't know what's coming up tomorrow. And you're going to need some grounds to stand on for your finances. Now, people say, well, okay, Mrs. Moore, I hear what you're saying. You know, I really, really, really want to give. I mean, it has been a strong desire of my heart for years to give. I really, 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 really want to give. I mean, I want to put every time the offering comes by $1,000 in there. I mean, I just cry and I pray and I ask God to give me $1,000 to put in the offering. I want to do it because I want to help you all with the church. I want to see the church go. We're glad you're here. We want to sow. We want to give. Does it come that way? You may not have an extra $5 to give. We were at a church. We were teaching. And there was this lady there. And she said, oh, I I just so desire to give. I just so, so desire to give. But she was an elderly lady, and she didn't have any money, and she was on a fixed income. And the Lord told her, you know, all your kids has got you all these magazines because you're so feeble you can't get around real good, and you get all these magazines in the mail. And all you do is sit around all day. Why don't you take those magazines and get you some scissors and clip out all the coupons in those magazines? So she did. Then he told her, I mean, step by step, she, then he told her, he said, get file folders for people in the church. People with kids, get them the diaper ones. People with, you know, senior citizens, get them the Depends. You know, whatever. It was a joke. <laughs> God, y'all forgot to laugh. But anyway, <laughs> she did that. She got file folders. And she made file folders for every family in the church. And whether it was spaghetti sauce or Kleenexes, or diapers, or Depends. She put them in the file folders. And you know, she was saving these families 50 and $100, depending on how much money they spent. This one family had 12 kids. She was saving them no telling how much money, clipping them coupons. But what was she doing? She was giving. God said he would give seed to the sower. If you desire seed, he'll give you seed. 
But you know, you've got to start somewhere. Amen. You've got something in your closet. I remember the very first time that I heard anything about giving. Besides, you know, really giving, a lot on giving. And, and I'm soon to close, so y'all just bear with me just a minute or two longer. And uh, I went in my closet, and I kid you not, I cleaned it out. I maybe had two outfits left to wear. And I gave it to this lady. She was a missionary, and she was going on the mission field, and they had just had a typhoon there, and, and all the people had lost, you know, almost everything they had. And so I just cleaned out my closet from socks to shirts to everything you can think of, clothes, dresses, everything. It was not six months that I was in my office minding my own business, and this lady walked in the door, and she said... Um, she was a patient, and she said, um, you know, I went shopping, and I bought all this clothes, and um, it's a size 6, and I've gained all this weight, and she said, I can't wear it, the tags are still on it. She gave me at least $3,000 worth of brand new clothes with the tags still on it. The tags were still on it, just my style, just my colors, just like she'd gone out and picked them out for me. Does it work? Well, it's like he says, you've come too late to tell us it doesn't work. I mean, you can try to prove it to us. We've had the best try to prove it doesn't work, but it works because we're living proof. So everybody stand up on your feet with me. We're going to do something here. I know one other service while you're standing up. We were in a service and the Lord told me, Phyllis, there's somebody over here that's got a washer and dryer that they don't need. And there's somebody over here that has been crying every night and praying for a washer and dryer. Tell these people to hook up after the service standing back there at the sound booth. I kid you not, they hooked up. And the needs of those two people in that family, that church family, were met. And that's the way a church family should be. Where if you have an extra microwave and you know that you, you've got an extra microwave and, and uh, you hear you, somebody says, you know what, i got an extra microwave. Well, tell somebody. They may know somebody that needs one. And that's the way a church family works. If I'm hurting, you should be hurting. If I've got excess, I should be able to help you to where you're, you're not in excess. You're, you're not lacking. You've got some extra. And that's the way we want this church to operate, to where there's not a person in here hurting or lacking for anything. So what I want you to do is something very awkward and very difficult and, and very hard, is I want you to get out and go tell somebody something that you have. You have extra, whether it's a shirt, a pair of shoes, a pair of socks, a, a tie. I, I want you to find somebody that just look around, turn around, look around. Come on, y'all can do it. I'm going to help y'all sew this morning. I don't care if it's a dirty handkerchief or a button off your shirt. You can sew. Find somebody and tell them that you have something that you can give them. Be led. Y'all, y'all, come on. Y'all are not mingling. Come on. Y'all mingle a little. Find someone. Okay, I'll help y'all out. Is there anybody in here that's got an extra suit coat they don't need? Anybody in here got an extra suit coat they don't need? Yeah, see this gentleman right here? These three gentlemen. If you're in need of an extra suit coat, see one of these gentlemen right here. And, they, and, and, and he's got one. Is there a lady in here? You got an extra dress you don't need. Raise your hand. Yeah, there you go. You guys that need an extra dress, come and see some of these people. We're going to sew to each other in here, you guys. We're going to be a family. And, and we're going to help each other to get through the hard times. And we're not going to be hurting. You understand where I'm coming from on it? I know you're taking it as a joke, but do you see the point behind what I'm trying to do here? 
We want you guys blessed. We want you to be a light in the community to where if people say, where'd you get that dress? Well, you know, I go to Faith Life Church and we just, if we have extra, we give it to the person that doesn't have any. If you've got an extra washer or dryer or whatever it is, you know, communicate with people. Get to know people in here and and work with them. Well, let's just pray. I want to pray over you and and I want to... Ask the Lord to show you and, and reveal to you some of the things that we've talked about this morning. There's so many scriptures in His Word about money and about you being blessed. Right. And if you don't know anything else, just remember the Lord's Prayer. Amen. That His will is done on the earth as it is in heaven. And does He walk on streets of gold? And does He want His kids to have what He has? So anytime the devil tries to throw it up in your face that you're supposed to be broke and you're supposed to be poor, just quote the Lord's Prayer to him. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we commit Faith Life Church to you, Lord. And we just ask you to make us lovers of people, Father, and our hearts open to the needs and the desires of the ones around us, Father. Don't let us be closed and shut up in our own shell to where we don't feel the hurting of anyone around us or the needs of anyone around us. I know I've taken this in a financial direction this morning, but Lord, there must be people in here hurting for their finances or we wouldn't have went this way. So Lord, I just ask you to encourage them and lift them up and get them to sewing this morning and meeting someone that needs that thing and this thing and that item and that item and and you hook them all together, Father, by your supernatural spirit. And I just ask you to give each and every person in here every need that they have to be met from this day forward because they're going to be sowers from this day forward. And Lord, your special blessings upon each person that's given already today through this trial thing that we're doing, I just ask you to speedily bring it back to them and prove your word that it does work and that you are a giver to those that give. And Lord, I just ask you for the remainder of this week to go with each and every person, lead them, guide them, direct them, and protect them through each and everything that they do in their daily lives. We thank you for them. We love them. We appreciate them. Our hearts are with them, Father, and we lift them up to you in Jesus' name.